so much, Kimberly, for coming on the show. I'm so excited to have you. Thanks for having me. Congratulations on the Thank podcast. you. Thank you. It has been, I mean, I'm sure you also understand this. Whenever you like launch something new or, or start something, it's you feel all the feels, but I'm starting to now mm -hmm. just know it's okay to just enjoy that it's out there. And um, yeah. I'm excited to be able to have conversation. Like I'm just excited and grateful I get to have conversations like this with people That's that I'm amazing. interested in. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited yes. to be here. Well, for people that are listening, Kimberly Perry's here. You know her from the band Perry, and now she is going on this new venture of her new solo career. Also, is about to have a baby like any day now. So we appreciate <laughs> you coming here while, I don't know. I don't know what it's like to be pregnant, but it, it must feel weird having a, a full size at this point baby in your, in your tummy. I mean, so the hardest thing has been figuring out how to sing and be pregnant at the same time. It was something that I, I never even thought twice about. This is my first baby as well. So, you know, you I have a lot of advice from friends and that sort of thing, but nobody said, oh, by the way, you know, in the seventh or eighth month, just be prepared to choose between singing and being pregnant. Um, so that's- And I guess of... you can't really choose that because <laughs> you're pregnant, yeah. so I guess you well, can't sing. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, and this is my first year as a solo artist. I mean, um, I've been a, an announced solo artist for like three months now. So, I mean, you know, as you're doing something new, I'm sure all the promo and press that you're doing around the podcast, it's like, you have to be ready to be on all the time. Um, and that was, it really has added so much uh, depth to the year to be building career, but also getting to have the opportunity to have a baby at the same time. So he and I are working together. It's a little boy. So we're figuring oh, out how to make all of the musical things happen together. So yes. well, don't worry. Fun. I'm not going to ask you to sing right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do want to kind of just backtrack because I always love to talk about like people's childhood hood, mm. and like how it created what they're doing now and who they are and you are from the south originally yes mississippi born in jackson mississippi okay yes. i was there till about middle school and okay. i would say the way that jackson contributed to my early childhood love for music i had a really really great music teacher um in my public school system her name was miss brown and literally like i can remember her teaching us songs in second grade, but she was with me all the way until I went into sixth grade. And I'll just never forget, I don't even, we were doing like a class play or something. And I went up to her after rehearsal in second grade and I was like, Miss Brown, um, I wanna put together this girls group. Like I love singing with other people. I wanna put together a girls group and we're gonna call ourselves the perfect children. That was like the name, <laughs> the name of the trio. And you know, to this day, like I remember how seriously she took my idea and she sat down with me. She's like, well, you got to start with this and then you got to do this and then do this and practice all the time. And that was the first moment that I remember going like, oh, I'm going to spend my life in music. And this adult like gets it and is, you know, in my childhood mind, I didn't use the word validate. But as an adult, I was like, wow, she validated my idea in a way that made me feel like I could. And what a special lady. That is really awesome to hear because I think that's so important for well, anybody in any time they have an idea to have somebody else like 
encourage them, but also tell them, okay, this is what you're going to have to do to get there. And to have that at such a young age. Yes. Were your parents also like, were they in the music business? Did they, were they like musical at all? Or is this just like a thing that you kind of had on your own? And then obviously your brothers as well. My parents loved music. Like they were fans. My mom got to see uh, Michael Jackson, you know, my dad saw the Rolling Stones like 10 times. Um, and so I feel like my mom played a bit of piano. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad played bass like in his college dorm room, but not like, you know, on a stage or in a band. Um, but I think what they did a really good job of, they recognized talent super early and me first because I'm the oldest um, and did what they had to to facilitate that. So whether it was bias instruments, um, they opened up their living room for the three of us to play, our other band members to come in and rehearse at our house. They didn't care how loud it was, you know. Um, and then eventually they bought this Pacero motorhome and my dad just found any opportunity for us to play around the South. If it was a shrimp boil, we were gonna be there. You know, if it was a backyard birthday party, he just knew that we needed experience and playing time um, and they just supported it. And when did that start for you? So for me, I, I mean, I sang in like church um, and school solos. I was in all state choirs since I was in middle school. But the first band that I was a part of, I was 15 years old. And um, it was actually just a group of high school buddies. My boyfriend at the time played bass. Um, so we figured out we could like spend more time together if I was in the band. Smart, yes. And I will say like when we had rehearsals, all the boys in that band were just like out shooting basketball hoops. But I cannot sleep the night before band rehearsal. Like the idea of making music together and like getting a microphone and singing on it with my friends, just, I was immediately addicted. Um, But because we rehearsed at my house, when they would go out and play basketball, Reed and Neil were already like, Neil would like jump on the drum kit and Reed was so small, but he would grab like a big bass guitar. And that's really organically how we began to form the family band and knew that that was going to be the eventual, you know, evolution of, of our artistry. Wow. That's so cool. I mean, it literally started in your home. Uh, When did you start having like music teachers? Like with that pretty young too, your parents put y'all on music class or was it just Miss Brown that you worked with for how long? And then when was it like, okay, we're getting like super serious about this. I think I got really serious about music um, in middle school. The public school system I was in at the time, it was like cooler to be in the bands than be on the football team. Oh, um, that's, not, <laughs> so, that's not normally the case. <laughs> not at all. So much so that like I played clarinet in bands and we had, I was like, I think sixth period was my band, but it was just the clarinet section. So, so many kids wanted to play instruments. They had to divide up the orchestra based on instruments for different periods. And so I just immediately learned how to, you know, play with other people in an orchestral sense and read music. We had great teachers. Um, Miss Brown gave me my first solo. So I, I think that's really where I fell in love with it and where my parents were like, oh, she's musical. And then when I was in eighth grade, we moved to Mobile, Alabama. No um, I'm from Alabama. Yeah. So are you? Yes. Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide? Are you a... Oh, Roll Tide. I'm, okay. I'm from Alabama, Tuscaloosa, went to University of Alabama. Oh, so okay. 
Yeah. And you, ble- you bleed crimson for I sure. I bleed okay. crimson. That's right. <laughs> um, and so Mobile was really like, I took piano lessons for the first time starting in eighth grade and I was classically trained in piano. And I would say that was really um, where I began to like understand, you know, the bass of an instrument and then like the treble and the high end. Piano helped me wrap my head around that and chords versus just reading sheet music. So that was sort of my foray into, you know, learning to sort of improvise and play by ear. And then the band started after that. And my piano teacher refused to teach me anymore because (laughs) she thought that um, playing guitar and playing in a rock band was going to change my sensitivity towards Chopin. So No way. So she was like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to teach you anymore. She made me make a choice. She's like, you're going to be a concert pianist or you're going to be in a rock band. And I was like, I'm going to be in a rock band. I'm going to be in a rock band. (laughs) (laughs) It worked out. So with that, I kind of want to just talk about the band Perry and how you guys started that. When did you and your brothers decide, okay, like we wanted to be in a band together? So the timeline, I mean, I call it 15, 8, and 10 because that's when I started music. We were kind of doing a combination of shows. It's just the three of us. Again, shows is a term I use very loosely. Um, uh, performances, we'll say. But, like, I remember the first one we did was at this father-son camp, and it was, like, one father and son couple there. You know, (laughs) like, that was our first foray into it. Um, So I would say since 15... Uh, for me, 10 for Reed, 8 for Neil, but we officially were like, we need a band name. Um, I probably would have been when I turned 18 or 19, so just a handful of years later. So do you feel like your brothers, they saw that, do you feel like they got their passion from seeing you doing music and was like, oh, this is a way that we can bond together and do something together? Or were y'all all like in your own way, just drawn to it? Because I feel like when you're the oldest, I'm the oldest in a way. I do have a, a sister that's like 13 years older than me. So we didn't really, yeah. um, we have different moms. So like she didn't, we didn't grow up together. So I was kind of the oldest in the house. And I feel like my brother's just, my brother just wanted to hang out and play with me. He's like, I'll, yeah. I'll play tea party, but just please play with me. <laughs> yeah. So is that kind of how it started or no, they were just as serious as you of like, I want to be in a rock band and it just happens that we all want to do this. And the best way we can do this is together. I think that they were more curious to like, just hop on the instruments that the older boys were playing in my band at the time. Yeah. And then Neil like just loved to be a noisemaker on the drums. Like that was a very like a physical activity for him. He, he was really, really good to like immediately out of the gates you know you never know and my parents mm-hmm. put him in lessons and it was like whoa he's a really gifted drummer um reed i think also was like curious about it but i will say at so he would have been 10 at that point he was just drawn to the bass guitar like i remember our parents trying to get him to play electric or a six string acoustic and he was like no the bass is for me and he couldn't have even at that moment really known like the full function of that yeah um but I don't know, like I believe in purpose. And I think mm-hmm. that you discover that at a really early age, whether it's both based on like your gifts, but also what your heart just kind of leans towards. So I think it was a combination of, of all those things really for them. So 
you you formed this band and then was the album that if i die young was that y'all's first like formal album together um i would say that was our first album on a record label okay <laughs> um, so basically what had happened was we i had been writing in nashville um since i turned 18 so we moved from at the end of high school for me we moved from mobile alabama to east tennessee okay. and the reason was because i was starting to write by myself in nashville um reed and neil were still they ended up homeschooling so that we could tour and travel together but we always wanted as a family it was my parents dream to live in the mountains so we were like four hours east of Nashville and I was just making writing trips and trips to town like four days at a time. Um, and all of a sudden, like I had written enough songs for us to record. So this is pre If I Die Young at this point, the song does not exist. Okay. Um, we had a couple of friends that I had written a lot with. They had a, a real cool like rock background. Cause again, at this point I was just a power rock trio. Like I played electric guitar Reed was on bass, Neil was on drums. Um, and so we made this rock record that sounded a lot more like the Rolling Stones than, you know, than the Chicks. Um, yeah. It leaned more into those roots. But the last day that we were recording, it was a two week session. Um, Reed and Neil were doing overdubs and I had this idea for If I Die Young. Like I was just killing time and started working on that song and went home over the weekend and finished it. Um, and then when I played it at the beginning of the next week, those producers were like, well, you have to at least get a demo of this. Like we we're done with the record. We're done with studio time, but let's just get, you know, an acoustic version of the song. And it just sounded totally different than anything else we had just recorded, you know? Yeah. Um, but it felt like the most important. So we ended up um, playing it the entire project for this guy, Paul Worley who produced The Chicks, which was my all-time favorite country band. He did Lady A at the time, like they had oh just started. You know, and Paul just every decade, he did Nitty Gritty Dirt Band back in the day. Like he's just an incredible song guy. And he heard the project and he goes, I think y'all are a rock band, but if you have your heart set on country music, you need to take this one song and throw the rest away. And I'll help you find co-writers and bring in some songs and play them for you. I'll help you put together a country record. And he did our first project. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Did you know when you were writing that song, you're like, that you're like, this is magic? Cause it was, I mean, it <laughs> was a, I don't understand music that much, but like you went seven times platinum, right? So does that mean like, or six times? I don't know exactly. We're, we're almost, I'm gonna, like celebrate that song. We are almost 10 million, which would be a diamond single, which we're like this close. And I, it blows my mind because no, I had no idea what I was doing writing that yeah. song. No idea. Like I had been in co-writes and Nashville has done such an amazing job of helping me begin to learn the craft of songwriting. But I remember I had written like a verse and I played it for my mom at the time. And I was like, I'm going to take this into my next writing session in Nashville. And she's like, um, you're going to go back up to your room and you're going to finish that song by yourself. Like she recognized that it was special and almost done. Mm -hmm. um, and so I did that. And it was honestly one of the first songs that I ever wrote entirely by myself. And it's just been the gift that keeps on giving. And, and truly, like, I think it was a moment that God just entered the room. He was like, hey, I've, 
I built you to do this. And this is who you are. This is your solo voice. This is how you love melody and how you write poetry. And I just feel like, you know, let me give this to you and let the world see you in light of this song. And what just a, a special blessing. day. It's such yeah. a blessing to have, especially, I feel like that entered you into this like crazy world of like, every, I mean, that song was huge, which I want to talk about the song fully, but I just want to talk about like what a blessing that was probably for you to give you the confidence of like, you did this, you wrote this song like on your own. Like I'm sure, obviously <laughs> there were so many people that come along to like champion you and make sure it got out to the world. Yeah. But did that, do you feel like that really helped your confidence to be able to like step into what that song did for y'all's career? Or is there no yes, way to really prepare for that? <laughs> I don't think that all we had to go off of was like, I could tell that it it resonated with everybody. And that started in the, just in the natural landscape, right? Because then the gatekeepers, they push it out past that. And then we got to see how like audience responded to it and the internet responded to it. Even back in those days, I think the first indicator we had was there were like, 200 covers on YouTube within like the first two weeks of the song or something. And so it was like, oh, this is resonating with people. But I think I was also so young and it happened right out of the gates for music. I couldn't even process really what that meant other than, oh, now we're playing shows like almost every night of the week, <laughs> you know, like yeah. that was the, the biggest difference that I felt. Was there, that? that's obviously a country song, like you said, not, did not really align with what you were doing before. Was there like some friction in that, like in your, with not just like you guys, like you and your brothers, but just with what you felt like the band Perry, like what you guys were, but then you had this incredible song and it's like, okay, so now we're going to have to lean into this. Or did you feel that pressure to lean in? And then what did that make you feel about all the other stuff that you had been doing? Like how, how did that yeah. settle in your heart? I think it was just more of an indicator of what I did naturally that then sort of Reed and Neil are so good at so many different things that they could then just align with me. So it was almost like the first song that brought us truly into alignment. A lot of the rock songs and the indie rock project felt like other people um, helping imprint a sound on us. So it almost felt like the most truthful moment. And then at that point, it became really easy to write songs around it and to find, you know, the rest of the identity of, of the band Perry around a core song. And I'm a big believer in that creatively too. It's like, even when I start a new project now, you're like, you got to find the one that's the center because then you can, it's very clear how to build around that. And I felt like creating a that story. was- I guess yeah. like, isn't that the whole thing is like with an album? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I've yeah. never done it, but as a listener, what makes something so special, I think is the full story. And you have to find something of like, what is that going to be? And with, totally. if I die young, I feel like you, there was a very good storytelling um, that needed to have something created around it. And y'all did it. Yes. And then we took, that's the moment we took Neil off the drum kit. It was Paul Worley's idea. He's like, you got to get you out from behind the drum kit. You need to, can you play mandolin? And he like picked it up like that, you know? And 
finally he was up front and we were in three-part harmony. We had never sung in three-part harmony before. And so it just was a song that brought us to, I don't know, rise to the musical occasion for our future. Yeah. You know, which is pretty special. Okay. If I Die Young is a very, like, feels like it has a lot of deep meaning. And I was, I don't don't even know how old I was when it came out. I remember my mom is here Mm -hmm. right now. She celebrated um, the launch of the podcast this week with me. And I told her that I was having you on the podcast. And she's like, I just remember you listening to that song over and over. I'm like, yes, because I think I was like, oh my, like this, the storytelling was just so incredible that I'm also, but then I was also like, oh my gosh, this girl's planning her death. (laughs) Where did that come from, from you? Like what inspired that song? I've had, I had no idea in the moment. Um, it, it legitimately was a daydream of like, I was very influenced by Anne of Green Gables growing up. Mm-hmm. And there's this scene in the movie where she's reciting Lady of Shalott in this canoe. And it's like, you know, she's di- she's dead, but she's reciting this poem. And I just always thought it was beautiful. So I just remember daydreaming on that day, like what my funeral would be like if it were mine to plan. And like, who would be affected by it? It would be my mother and then the guy that I was in a relationship with. Well, that's verse one, then, and that's verse two, you know? Um, As I've done countless hours of therapy since, (laughs) um, I discovered that it it was also a little bit, which I did not know consciously at the time, but I think it was also a little bit of hedging of my bets. Mm-hmm. Like I had all these dreams. I was not in a serious relationship. I eventually wanted a family. I wanted a life in music, but it it seemed really far away for me in that moment and in that bedroom. And I think it was sort of like, oh well, it would all. This seems something like that would be more beautiful than my dream not coming true. Yeah, you know, not sense. that. Yeah, and it's you know we we battled a lot in conversation. It was not a song. Um, that was even contemplating a suicide or anything like that. That was not anywhere near where my brain was. It just felt like, well, this is beautiful compared to not being able to see dreams come true. And apparently, apparently that's what I was feeling. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I think why I listen to it so many times, I'm like, I think I'm, I might be like, Hmm, how would I want to like play my funeral and who would right. I think everybody wonders, like, who's going to cry at your funeral? Who's going to be there that's, like, unexpected? And so I think that's why it probably resonated with a lot of us because it was like, yeah, I would wonder. I was young when it came out. Like, what would the guy that I, like, had a crush on, would he be there? How would he feel? Like, I know. (laughs) It just, like, I get it. After that, did you feel pressure, so much pressure to have, like, this this was, I guess, was this your first single? Correct. It was like, te- technically the second single. The first okay. one was utterly forgettable. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, but after that, I think for me, sometimes when I, I've done something or excelled, I'm like, oh gosh, but the next thing has to be this good. Cause I don't do well with feeling like a, I think of yeah. failure. I think I have like a weird sense of failure. Were you even thinking about that? Or then after we all looking at each other, like, okay, like, what are we going to do next? How can we top this? We had three more singles off of that first project after Friday Young that all did really, really well. So I I do feel like that first um, album era, everything just felt like gangbusters. Where I struggled with 
what are we going to do next was when it was time to make our second album. Yeah. Um, and that just felt like a lot of pressure because everybody had expectations, none higher than mine for myself. I'm with you too. I'm like, I never yeah. want the next thing to be like, you know, more compromise than the first. It's just, mm-hmm. it's got, we got to keep climbing. And so in some respects, I do feel like our second project did that, but getting to a song like Better Dig 2 and getting to done um, that really elevated our career and our show was a hell ride. It was yeah. just like with everybody involved in making decisions at that point. Um, whereas in the beginning, it was all instinct. It was like Paul helping us. And then once you have publishers involved and record labels involved and managers involved, it just became a really complicated season. <laughs> I, I mean, I can't relate it to the, to, to the level, but I feel like there's like magic and authenticity. And that is why a lot of people can connect to a project or a song or a person yeah. so quickly. But then people that have, you know, make money off of you and are in this, in your like different industries, they're great. They have intentions, but they also want to find a way like to put in their advice of what they know or what they think works. But the whole reason that something is magic and pops off is because you don't have those expectations on yourself. You're just trying to like create something and be authentically yourself. Yeah. So I understand that like friction because you're like, well, I, I just got here being myself, but like, and doing the thing that I love and going into my room and writing this song, but what's next? Would you say like you really struggled with like advocating for like what you felt was right and, and what you thought to be true and thinking, oh, these people know better. So I'm just going to have to, I'm going to go with them because they've done this before and they've made artists what they are today. Did you have that struggle? No, I always thought that my idea was the best. (laughs) But I will say, I mean, looking back in retrospect, that album did become a challenge as we chose singles. That's Mm -hmm. really where it became like the challenge to learn the art of compromise. Because, for instance, the team at large wanted to put out this song called Chainsaw as the first single. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, you're my dead body. You know, <laughs> I was like, I loved it. I know the song. Yeah. 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 So I really fought hard to lead with Better Dig 2 because I felt like it was the tone of the new project, which was more rock in nature. Like we had bigger sounding songs, but it felt like it made sense as a through line with If I Die Young. And um, I mean, I was still pretty young at that point too. And I just remember being like, if <laughs> if Better Dig 2 is not our first single from their second record, I don't know. I might just be done with music, you know? <laughs> and um, so the team was gracious enough at that point to go like, okay, let's, let's go with her gut. And it tested really well. You know, we did all of that mm-hmm. kind of research. And I'm I'm glad that we led with it because I do feel like the first half of that project when it came to singles was very true to who we were and where we were growing. I think the choices on the back end of that, um, that were not necessarily ours. That's where I began to feel like somebody was trying to get us to compete with this wave of bro country that was coming in versus just letting us be ourselves. And that's really where it got, in my opinion, just a little bit more shaky. Yeah. 
And is that around the time? Well, first I want to ask you, because I have seen y'all in concert and I think y'all went, y'all were at the Tuscaloosa Amphitheater when I was in college. <laughs> I think I you it. were maybe touring. Did you tour with Rascal Flats? We maybe? did. Okay. I remember I was front row and y'all were, that was, I guess, around <laughs> that was that second album. I think it was yeah. so freaking good. Like I, I think I remember that show specifically. Yes. It was awesome. Y'all were amazing. Like I was a fan for sure, but that was the first time that I'd seen y'all in concert. And I do like remember that those songs like Chainsaw and Better Dig 2. It was such a fun show yeah. to be at. Y'all killed totally. it. Um, totally. But after Thank that, y'all kind of switched directions. And I mean, yeah, y'all were definitely like had more of a country sound, but obviously the second album was like leaning more into that, that rock that y'all liked. Yeah. But then some of your music kind of started going into pop in some way. Um, did you, was that y'all's decision at that point to try to change genres or who prompted or what prompted that decision? The decision at that point was more, less made on genre shift and more on um, team shift. Mm, okay. So it was like such a difficult process in the back half of Pioneer, the second record. It was like, I don't know that we can keep creating in this environment at the highest level. Mm -hmm. And we all made this decision with our current team at the time to go like, maybe there's a better home for us. Um but when we did that, so the intention was always to stay in country music, but the, the next deal that we signed at a label was with UMG here in Nashville. They're so amazing. And Interscope based in LA. Um, and so the goal was always what we did with the Fred A. Young. Let's let it you know, be huge in country and go to number one. And then if it has a life outside of that, then there's a pop label who's able to elevate that. And that's yeah. what happens from the earliest moment that we we're in commercial music. So you said that y'all made this like full shift over. You're like, okay, we love music. We're gonna, we're just gonna do this. This is kind of like our best option. But in that, like you said, kind of shifted away from like what you truly were. Did that make music not as fun or did it like take some of the joy out of performing because you did feel like you were kind of slowly stepping away from what you were as a musician or what yeah, you I are think, as a musician. I think it just made it scarier, you yeah. know, because there is the, the true creative core of, of what in that moment I felt like I was getting, it was almost like a wave. Like I'm not really swimming away from anything, but the, the current is carrying yeah. me over here. And that's kind of a scary thing to not feel like you're controlling the destination. But I think the other side of it for me as a, as a competitor, because music is my favorite sport as well, it was like everything that we've built, you know, momentum is hard to get going, but it's also super hard to slow down. And it's yeah. like, I feel like now we're just like slowing down our momentum and it's going to be very difficult to rebuild. And so my make it or break it moment was at the end of 2019, my brothers and I had been living in LA for two years at that point. And I was just like, guys, I am so ready to go home. Like, I think we've, we've taken our stab at this. We have done um, our best. This is not who we are. Like, we've got to get home to East Tennessee. And I got to get back on a porch with just an acoustic guitar. And we've got to begin making our way back home. And it felt like at that point, the waters had settled uh, here and the air had cleared a bit to be able to, you know, make a 
make your re-entry to the space yeah. if you will. Yeah. I really relate to that because I, like I said, am from Alabama and I lived in LA for about three years. I was in yeah. Los, I was in Santa Monica, which was great because I was by the ocean. But um, and I do feel like I rediscovered myself there, but in that there was it's a, it's just it's different. I think having that season where you figure out what is what you love, what you don't, who you actually are, who you're not. Yeah. I think there's um something really sweet about that. And now especially you have announced, you announced recently, I guess was it this year that you were like like okay, I'm going to go my separate ways and I'm going to do my own solo career. Do you think yeah. that 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 time in your life that maybe is like uh, you know, we're not even going to talk about that. Like throw away all the pictures of the black hair. <laughs> like, I don't right. see this. do you feel like that was important for you in taking this next step? Like that was a season that had to happen. Yeah. I think figuring out identity is we all have to do it at some point. And for me, um, in that moment, I had my marriage broke up. I was married when I was 30, um, for a couple of years and that broke up in LA and, I just was like, at the end of that, I was, who am I? What are my preferences anymore? I'm the kind of person that's sort of like, what should we do for dinner? Do you want this? Do you want this? I'm like, whatever you want. Like, I'm good with whatever. And I like to be um, an empath and I like to be kind of a, yeah, I'm chill with whatever, but we lose little pieces of ourselves. Mm -hmm so easily and i think la for me was sort of that exploration to figure out post post apocalypse in my life there like what are my preferences what do i like to wear what do i like to eat what truly am i at, as at my creative core and then we may try on some things that just ultimately are bad fits but that walks us back to something that feels a hundred percent genuine and also, I think you have to go through that to be able to stay there. You mm -hmm. know, like I don't feel this need anymore to explore those sides of myself. I'm pretty, like you said, you know what you love to wear, you know where you love to wear it, and you probably will never question that again in your life, you know? No. Um, and that's kind of how I feel these days. It's very grounded. Yeah. It's it's that like you when you seek, you'll find. And I felt like I lived in such a small, I lived small town, college town. Yeah. Everybody kind of did the same thing, which I realized some of that is like truly who I am. And I'm so grateful for the way that I was raised. But I think I always like, oh, I just want to see if there's something else to me. And I do think I found right. some other sides of myself that I would have and, and things that I enjoy and being able to really see these different sides that I didn't ever like feel like I could show of myself. Right. But then honing that back in is yeah. really special. And I feel like that's kind of what you are doing with this new album. Uh, the extended play bloom was released in June, correct? Yes. Yes. And I've listened to it all and it is so good. And genuinely I love it because it has that same sound of what made us all f fall in love with your voice and the, your storytelling, but it has like this wisdom to it in a way. <laughs> um, and it sounds like it's because you've, you've gone on a journey to get back. How does it feel to be able to be doing this now in this season of life? It just felt like the natural next step. Yeah. I mean, it's something that I've wanted to do, make a solo project since I was a kid. Um, 
but there was always like I, I was so in love with what we were building with TVP. There was just never like the right season for it. Um, and when I hear this project, what I love is that it reminds me of like the music that I listened to when I was in eighth grade, when I was in ninth grade and I was listening to like Sarah McLaughlin and uh, that song, like Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? Strawberry Wine was out that year, yes. like all of that late nineties music. Um, but like you said, and then I think it reflects like the piece that I brought to the band period. I hear all of these things of my lifeline in these first five songs. And it's just been cool to get to sing from like a highly feminine perspective to not necessarily have to consider the masculine voice because you have to do that in a band. Mm -hmm. You're representing three, not just one perspective to have a baby alongside that, be building that as well. It's just been such a surreal moment. Well, I watched all the, um, all the music videos. And of course, like if I said, I love pink, I love flowers. I'm yeah. Like, this is my vibe. I loved it. So whoever did that whole production and like, like vibey film thing going on. Yeah. It, it's really great. Everyone listen to all the songs, but also go look at the music videos because yeah. they're amazing. So thank you so much. We had so much fun. Yeah. It looked like it was fun and it just seemed like, I don't know. You can tell when somebody is really like stepping into their own and doing what they're like meant to do. You can, you can see that and just everything just looks so easy and natural. And that's what I felt like listening and watching the music videos that y'all put together. So I'm just really excited. When you were coming to decide you're doing this album, writing these uh, new songs, what was the writing process like? Did you write with other people or did you have already, like, had you been thinking about some of these ideas for a while and finally had the time to like put them out there? No, I wrote, uh, wrote my way to figuring out what the project was going to be. I actually had never lived in Nashville. Like I said, our family came, we settled in six, mm -hmm. Tennessee. So to be in the 615, I, I married my husband in June of 2021 after eight months of dating. Um, here, where, were y'all here? Did you meet him here at LA? No, I met him in Texas. Oh, during, okay. During the <laughs> weird COVID year. Um, my brothers and I were down there making music in October of 2020. And yeah. he came up one weekend and I just like immediately fell in love with him. He's 6'5", like this bleach blonde hair crazy spirit. And um, so we dated for eight months and then eloped to Vegas in June of 2021. Um, and so I was like, I've wanted to live in Nashville proper since I was a kid. That's where, if you're down to leave Texas, like that's where I'd love to go. And so we moved here in October of 2021. And I just immediately started writing with the community, which I had never done to that point. Like TVP never, we had a couple of friends that we wrote with, but we had never properly like written with the Nashville community. Um, That's interesting. I, that You wouldn't think that because it was like you were like from the outside, I'm like totally country music like, to know that you weren't like in the scene of all the writers. Because I, yeah. I went to like a writer's round of watch something. Our first week here, like the Love Junkies did some benefit that yeah. we were there. I'm like, I'm literally obsessed. And 
Uh, so it's been cool to like understand how like everybody writes together and that's how some of these like amazing songs are born. Y'all did that without any of those people. That's, that's pretty incredible. We had this family, um, they were the Henningsons, called the Henningsons, and they were just like our co-writers. And we would have some outside songs. So Better Dig 2 was written by this guy, Shane McAnally, Brandy Clark. Um, they actually now have a, a play on Broadway that just got all of these awards. Like, they're amazing. That was just an outside song. So I didn't write on that. Mm-hmm. We would blend a few of those in, but I had never gotten to have the experience of just like, showing up at 10 a.m. with my guitar and like writing with the community um so I just first thing I did when we got to town I was like book my count like let's fill it up let's figure Mm -hmm. out who our people are um and in February of 2022 I wrote with Nicole Gallion and she's the best so she helped me with all the visuals too she's like okay she doesn't know me and she probably would never know that like I think how I found out about her as a um, writer is she wrote this song with that Keith Urban did, uh, female. And I was like, who wrote this song? It's so cool. And then after that, yeah. I realized she had written like all of my favorite songs. So the that you worked with her, it like makes sense because. Yes. I'm you not, guys will have to meet. Yeah. She's, she's so cool. So I wrote with her and Jimmy Robbins. It was my first session um, with them in February of 22. And we wrote a song called Ghost, which ended up making its way onto Bloom. And it was the first song I was like, now this is the first track towards this solo voice. I just knew that innately. Um, And then wrote until August of that year. And then we went to the studio last August to cut those first five. So you actually didn't write If I Die Young Part 2. That wasn't the first thing you wrote. It was the dead last. No dead way. Last, okay. Like two days before the studio. Yeah. Okay. So what prompted that? <laughs> um, a conversation that I had had over the summer. So several, several months before um, I was out to a brunch with a friend of mine and we were talking about the original and she was asking me like, Hey, what were you thinking about? Like, where was your imagination that day? And then she stopped in the middle of our conversation. She's like, hold on have you ever thought about writing a sequel, but from the perspective of the girl over a decade later that didn't die young? And I was like offended for 10 seconds, you know? I was like, I'm still young, it's still possible, you know? Um, (laughs) And, but I immediately was like, oh, I have to do this. Like this has to be something I at least attempt, but it was scary to think about. so I just didn't do anything with it for a couple months. And then finally, two days before the studio, I called Jimmy and Nicole. And I was like, I, I have to write this with you guys because they just have the poetry and the sensitivity to to go there with me on that song. Mm-hmm. But also the accountability of them to go, you know, how do we not rob anybody of the original experience of the first version, but really elevate it and, you know, have a piece of music that, that stands on its own, but equally alongside the first. So it was a really special session. I great. love it because there's some certain songs that you'll listen to and you're like, oh, I just want to listen to this song over and over, but I want it to be like a little bit different. So I'm not just listening to the same yeah. song over and over. But that's also like a very tricky spot to be because you don't want to mess with like something great. Sometimes yeah. like sequels are always like, oh, like they tried, but what's in there? But I would, I genuinely like love the song because it's what I've always wanted from a song of like, you love something so much and you just want that to be playing over and over, but yeah. you get another story. Yeah. It's so it's so beautiful. 
I, I really have loved it. Um, my boyfriend, we were listening to all your stuff and he was like, so smart and just this cool perspective. And I think that's when I said like, there feels like there's like a wisdom in this, like in a security in your mm. voice now, because I think I understand why you're maybe like, oh, what do you mean? I'm still young, but you have lived yeah. so much life since writing that first song and to like be able to see that and hear that in this part too is really special as a fan. Thank you. I love that you use the word security mm -hmm. um, because I do feel like I'm in a season of more definitely, it's not even confidence, it's like groundedness, you know? Um, yeah. And the security of like the people that are in my life and, you know, having endured hits and the misses, like the highs and the lows, it just has felt like a, a season of arrival. And mm -hmm. yeah, we're going to have our good days and our bad days, just like we have the entire, you know, length of the journey, but I'm just able to like surf a little bit better, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Do you feel the support here in Nashville this time more so this, this go around? I do. Yeah, I do. And I think that a lot of it has to do with actually physically being here. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wanted to deep dive into the community. I wanted to not just experience country music from the tour bus window or like, you know, coming into town for the award shows and then dipping out again. It's been really cool to just immerse myself in the way that the town works. But also when you're writing songs with your best friends, they're going to be better songs because you get to be vulnerable in a way that helps. They can help me channel my voice in a truthful way, but they also just know how to write hit, hit songs, yeah. you know? And that's really a cool crossroads. What is your vision moving forward in this season of your career? It's a good question. I still ask myself this every morning because I have a lot that I want to do. I think it's been really important for me and to continue to build my relevance back mm -hmm. in country music. You know, we came out of the gate so strong with TVP and then I felt like, man, we just disappeared, which was a heartbreaking thing because we had worked so hard to to build what we did. So to have country music at large and Nashville welcome me back with a solo voice, it's like, okay, now let me be really responsible with how I handle this opportunity. My goal is to put out as much music as I can in the shortest amount of time so that I am building relevance. There's momentum. Um, I'm going to be on the tour bus for the next two years. But my other thing that I'd really love to build alongside this is to really help bring what I feel like are interesting acts into the format and really help develop those. So my future, whether that'll be in a management standpoint or like a label standpoint, I'm not sure, but I just love the idea of what the future of country music looks like. And I would love to, to help shape where that goes with not just the artist's voice, but to to sit back and be the girl at the end of the runway after the fashion show who's yes. like been up till 2 a.m. and you kind of come out your jeans and t-shirt and just wave and then tug <laughs> back. Like yes. that's, a, that's a role that I feel really comfortable in. And, you know, as the, as the days move on, I would love to, to fulfill that. Yeah. I can see that for you. Just how you said that like groundedness, you, you, you have done it all. And it doesn't mean that like there is more, there's still more for you, but I think when you have had the success that you've had and also gone through the ups and downs and you know what, what's right for you, what's wrong, people need that 
that are coming into this town yeah. doing it for the first time. And I, the, I would trust somebody who's done it all before yeah. more than somebody that hasn't, but is just like in management. So I think that would, yeah. <laughs> I think that would be nice. I also want to talk about you. Uh, are, you're pregnant with your first child. <laughs> Very yeah. pregnant. I love. Thank God, thank God for the screen <laughs> like right here. <laughs> I feel like there are people that like love pregnancy, and there are people that are like, "I love my baby. This is not for me." How has it been for you? I think I'm somewhere in the middle. Okay. I'm like the first trimester. I mean, I pride myself on being the puke and rally girl. Like yeah. I'm pretty, my son, you know, but morning sickness was something I had never anticipated. I was like, why do I feel like I'm sick? Like from my toenails up, you know? Um, and that was a little difficult, but the second trimester was an absolute breeze. You know, I was like, we were getting so much done, photo shoots, video shoots. I had so much energy, honestly, even the third try until maybe this week, um, it's been fine. And now it's just like, just a little physically uncomfortable. So I, I, you know, time, time willing, I would love to have two. Um, and it's been a great enough process that I'm like piece of cake, but I wouldn't say I'm like, Oh, I'm so in love with being pregnant and I'm going to miss it. I don't feel that way. (laughs) (laughs) That is such a, a, a point that I hadn't really thought of. Like you are, it's already hard to start something new as like for me, starting this podcast, you're putting out this new album. Um, but you're doing it pregnant. Like growing a human inside of you that's like moving. For me, I am not there yet. So I'm like, it's like an alien's inside somebody. Yeah. Like that just feels like it could be really uncomfortable. Uh, has it been like, have you had like an emotional roller coaster of like, I cannot believe I'm putting out like this huge project of like me really going back to my sound, who I am, and I'm doing it pregnant? Like, was that something that you were like, this is a sweet bonus? Or, oh, like, this is kind of hard. It honestly, I don't know what it is about him. I can't wait to meet him outside the womb because in the moments and on the days that I'm really having to show up for work and it not be about being pregnant, he like goes there with me. Like they're the easiest Mm. days. I played, you know, debuted on the Opry with quite a baby bump and he got really excited before I went out because he could hear audience at that point, you know, getting excited but when I was singing, it was like, he was so still, you know? And when I did CMA Fest, I had a couple of live shows for the first time and it was seven and a half months pregnant at that point. And I was just like, how does he know on the days that I physically need to be able to show up for my job? He makes it easy on me, you know? Um, so I can't wait because I feel like our little teamwork in the last, over the last nine months has been really special. And, um, it's been cool to physically get to document him because we've had so many events and there've been some good fashion moments. So I've loved him. (laughs) Thank you. I mean, getting to have that and show him like, Hey, you were, you know, five months in my belly at this point. Look at this. We did this together. That feels really special to get to have those memories. So you're pretty also newly married now have a baby was that always something that you and Johnny like plan like y'all are y'all are going to have children wanted to do that pretty quickly on and like what makes him the man that you're so excited to start this family with what what is about him because you're doing a lot of big things at one time together and 
it's yeah. important to have somebody that can handle that and be a part of that. A hundred percent. Yeah. We just celebrated two years in June. It wasn't like we were super adamant, like, oh, this has to be something that happens immediately. It was more like, let's just see what happens. And it, it did transpire for us pretty quickly. Um, we were both at a, a point where it was like, yeah, we can definitely wrap this in to our atmosphere and our universe. But if it's another couple of years, like, I'm okay with that too. So mm-hmm. I do believe in just like the divine timing of it all. Um, and he is the person I would not have ever had a kid with anybody else other than Johnny. He is stable um, and he's kind, but he's also like an authoritarian, you know, like mm-hmm. he is truly like the the man of our family. And I'm like a, a two on the Enneagram, which I think I is- I love the Enneagram. I'm a three wing four. You're three wing four. I love this. Um, he's an eight. So is my boyfriend. So really? Yeah. <laughs> we 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 need good eights in our life. I've That's decided. what my therapist told me. <laughs> She's like, it works. he's an eight. It's good that he's an eight. And he's also a Scorpio. So it is like he is a supreme protector. And it was funny when I played Bloom, I did a preview party um for press and some folks who I've known for a long time in the town and one of my dear friends in town came up to me after and he was like you know what I hear in this project but also what I see with you and Johnny is like he's like you've always been kind of the protector of your family Mm. whether it was you know leading the ship with music and just driving things forward and now I feel like you've got your protector and I was like yeah like I could not have said that more eloquently like I feel that way and I'm super excited for him to to raise a little man. Yeah, I I kind of can relate to that because I feel like I'm always like, okay, what's going to happen? Like, I think for me, I love, I can talk therapy all day long. Um, yeah. But my, a part of me always was trying to like always think of, okay, if something goes bad, how am I going to be able to fix this? And yeah. with Adam, I think he's just more like that is what he's good at. He can just come in and be, and not be as like high and low, um, happy, sad. And I'm, that is who, that's the roller coaster that I ride. And he can just come in and he's just like smooth sailing. Like, okay, no, this is how it's going to go. And not in like a, um, overbearing way in a way that's like protecting and safe and helps me steer the ship when I'm like, thinking about all yes. the cool things the ship can do <laughs> right, right. and be thinking about like, Oh, but we could do this and this. And yeah, it's really nice. And I, um, I'm really happy for y'all in this, in this season. Thank you. What advice or like wisdom do you have for other people who are contemplating forging a new path for themselves or a new journey and our career and their career or relationships? You know, I, historically for me, the big risks have been the ones that always paid off. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they have to be smart risks. Like, I think it's important to have a a cloud of people around you that love you and know you and know what you're born to do and know what you're also capable of to support and give advice. Like we have to listen. We can't do that blindly, but also the scariest moments for me have always been the ones that yielded just the the biggest and brightest returns. So I think Mm -hmm. it's that lack of no fear. It's about, you know, standing firm and what you feel like you were born to do. And I'm really fighting to carve that space for yourself. Nobody's going to hand us 
anything, you mm-hmm. know, um, and, and they shouldn't. But every day that I wake up, I'm like, I want to compete in like a mighty way. I don't want to get caught in drama. I don't want to get caught in like the minutia or the ego of it, but I want to compete in a mighty way knowing that, hey, this is my spot in country music and I'm going to, you know, stand in that spot with a lot of grace and also being the best that I can be at it. And so that's kind of like what my mentality has been coming back, coming back around. I love that. I, I feel like that's been kind of my mentality in this season too. And I, you're so right. Everything that I've done for me, and I'm sure a lot of people are like, oh yeah, if I look back, like those things that were so risky have always been the things that have had that return or have leveled me up in a way that I never thought I could be or in the back of my mind, I always knew yeah. that I'd been scared in the past to like take those steps. So I think that's really good advice. Um, and now in this new tap chapter of life, what do you feel like life is teaching you and where and how are you blooming? Wow. So many ways. Life is such a teacher. Um, I think for me these days, it's about in the highs and lows, as we've talked about a couple of times and thank you to our eights who help, you know, practice this every day for us. I think it's really about just riding in the middle of that wave. You know, mm-hmm. I, it's not that I'm even like a, an emotional roller coaster of a person, but I feel things so deeply. So it's like, yeah. you know, and sometimes I feel the lows a little bit stronger than the highs. And mm-hmm. so it's really embracing all of that with a little bit more um, understanding and also being wise enough to go like, are there people or things in my life that are contributing to the complications in this season? Mm-hmm. So part of blooming for me has been, like weeding, weeding the flower bed, yeah. you know, and kind of going what, what things in my life and what people in my life serve this purpose, um, for, for my greater good versus rob me of it. And, um, so I've, I've spent a lot of time sort of creating this space in my life to grow over the last couple of years. And I would say that, you know, like the blossom is sort of the end product. It's all the work of like busting from the earth and out of the seed and like standing on your own too to get to shine. And mm-hmm. this project has been as much about the process and my life has been as much about the process as it has been and the final blossom. Yeah. Well, I think that's what you can feel in the music that you're putting out right now too. I mean, there's a depth behind it, but there's all the like this nostalgia of like yeah. where you've been, where you're, and then like this, like where you're going. So Thank you so much for taking this time to talk with me. I really enjoyed the conversation. I think a lot of people are going to relate to it and are so excited that you are doing this new thing on your own. Um, I will be celebrating you listening. Everyone listening to this podcast, I'm sure is like, is excited that they've got the opportunity to um, listen more about your story and, and how you have, created this this new chapter in your life and honestly I just can't wait to see how cute your little baby is because (laughs) you are are already a cute little family so um it means a lot that you took the time out of like this big season of your life to to have this chat with me thank you for having me congratulations